Welcome to the Sports Talks Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bassett. And I'm Dr. Katherine Logan. On each episode, we chat about the most recent developments in sports medicine and dissect through all the noise so you know which literature should actually impact your practice. Today, we're kicking off a special series of episodes to recap the newest research presented at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons annual meeting, our largest orthopedic conference. This year, over 20,000 orthopedic professionals gathered at the AOS meeting in San Francisco to take part. The educational program was comprised of instructional course lectures, video theater, live surgeries, podium presentations, and research posters. Over the next several episodes, we're going to be reviewing seven sports medicine posters that were presented at the AOS meeting. On this podcast, we try to review the most up-to-date literature on different sports medicine topics. So, reviewing some of the posters that were just presented at AOS is particularly exciting for us because this data is so new. So new that most of the data has not even been published yet. Yeah, so really looking forward to hearing some of that. So we're joined by Dr. Megan Bishop to get her take on these poster presentations. So Dr. Bishop is a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic sports surgeon at the Rothman Orthopedic Institute in Philadelphia. After graduating from George Washington University Medical School, she completed her residency in orthopedic surgery at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. Dr. Bishop then completed a fellowship in sports medicine and shoulder surgery at the Hospital for Special Surgery. She is the orthopedic medical director for the Philadelphia Marathon, uh, chair of the AOS Early Career Members Committee, and is a member of the editorial board of AJSM and VJSM. She's very active in research, so we're really excited to hear her thoughts on these posters over the next few episodes. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bishop. If you're looking for a trusted name in osteochondral allograft transplantation, look no further than JRF Ortho. With a stellar track record and a reputation as the leader in fresh osteochondral allografts, JRF Ortho is here to elevate your practice to new heights. JRF Ortho has proudly distributed over 25,000 allografts worldwide, making a significant impact in the field. Their passion for this industry goes beyond the numbers. It's about helping patients and fulfilling their mission of improving people's quality of life. But that's not all. At JRF Ortho, they understand that superior customer care is crucial. They aim to give you one less thing to think about so you can focus on what matters the most, your patients. And they make ordering JRF Ortho easy. They're committed to accommodating your needs, delivering allografts on your terms. You're in control. Choose your scheduling option, whether it's specifying a surgery date, providing a date range, or just requesting the earliest available allograft. Your preferences are their top priority. So prepare for success. Order with JRF Ortho and take control of your orthopedic journey. Megan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us today and chat about some of these awesome posters that we had at the AOS annual meeting. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on the Sports Talk podcast. Thank you. We're so pumped to have you. Yeah, we're really excited. So we wanted to start off um, with a poster titled The Comparison of Injuries in National Football League Players 2016 to 2021 Based on Playing Surface, Natural Grass versus Artificial Turf. So this past season in the NFL, we saw a staggering number of injuries, many of which we covered on our injury report episode. So if you haven't checked that out, listeners, definitely go check that out. Um, And most of these injuries affected the quarterback position. And in fact, a stat I came across when prepping this is that quarterbacks, 50% of them, sustained time missing injuries, which is actually a historic record for the NFL. So it's pretty staggering. Um, Most notable, of course, being Aaron Rodgers, which everyone wants to talk about, but also Daniel Jones with an ACL tear and Kirk Cousins with an Achilles tear. And as these injuries mount, there's growing concern about the impact that 
potentially the field service can be having on these injuries. Okay, so um, this study sought to determine if artificial turf was in fact associated with a higher risk of injury compared to natural grass fields. Um, so Provincher, uh, who we all know, and his colleagues at the Stedman Clinic in Vail, they did a retrospective review of data from the um, NFL Injury Database, um, and it was between 2016 and 2021. They also found that, um, or they did find that all injury types were experienced at a higher rate on turf compared to grass. So this included injuries to the ankle, the groin, ACL, MCL, and lower extremity fractures. Um, so curious from both of you guys, and Megan, we'll start with you. Like, what do you take away from this? And, you know, are you thinking about this in your local population, your high school athletes and turf fields and grass fields? And do you educate your patients about this at all? Yeah, I think this is a great study, um, especially it's like very timely with a lot of the injuries that we saw this year. And there was a lot of conversation coming out of the football season um, about turf versus grass. So this has some good kind of like concrete data to show that there are, uh, injuries are higher all you know around with every injury tip they looked at on turf versus grass. Um, and it's, it's kind of staggering, like MCL injuries, I think it was 43% more MCL injuries on uh, turf versus grass, which is, is quite significant. So, um, you know, this isn't necessarily new information. I, you know, I feel like we've known for a while that, you know, turf trends to always have higher injuries than grass. So it's, it's always kind of made me curious why pretty much like every high school, you know, mm -hmm. we cover and every high school in the area still has turf fields and why I, I looked, I think 15 NFL teams still have turf fields. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it's with knowing this data, and I think this was a great study to help bring awareness and kind of um, probably pr push some teams to consider, you know, switching to grass. I'm sure there's a lot of logistical reasons that make that difficult. Um, but uh, certainly for injuries, you know, we know that uh, turf definitely has a higher higher risk. And this just goes, to, you know, gives us some concrete data to support that. Yeah, and I don't actually know. Do you guys know, like, anything about the cost? of turf versus our, uh, versus grass? I, I don't know the actual cost yeah. breakdown, but I knew, know from schools that, because it's interesting, Megan, you bring up that a lot of our high schools still have it, quote unquote. A lot of high schools in my area are still moving towards implementing right. turf fields. So it's not like they like have it and like, oh, it'd be such a financial burden to take them out. They're still doing it because from what they've told me, the cost of maintenance is much maintenance. lower. So like yeah. keeping the field up, especially if it rains and like, gets kind of destroyed that kind of aspect of it from a financial side is way worth it even if the initial cost is high for sure i mean obviously it's going to be a lot less expensive to take care of uh you know turf than it is grass um but it's funny for the nfl you know you wouldn't think that's like a huge issue for them um you know i think back to like even like the super bowl for the eagles last year and ashley and i are both eagles fans so you know she'll probably remember this too like I, there was they had put and this is just a little bit of a side note but they had put gra new grass on the stadium mm -hmm. before the super bowl that was like this like extra like slippery grass that held all the players like slipping and sliding around and like changing cleats throughout the entire game so like obviously that was grass but it really goes to show that the surface that these players play on really matters and you know when you go from one playing at different stadiums throughout the entire season and going from one surface to the other, like sometimes they have to change their shoe wear, you know, getting used to even just playing on those different surfaces is hard on the body because, you know, pushing off and things like that may differ um, from place to place where you go. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe looking to like standardizing some of that uh, between yeah. stadiums uh, might be a good thing, especially for the NFL looking at this. Yeah. I'm sure that comes up with like the players association and then, you know, physicians association for the NFL that, 
you know, I think it makes sense for that. Like I see with the high schools, if they're like, all right, it's cheaper. They're also not thinking about the cost of injury per se, but the NFL surely is, you know, and thinking about their time loss and, you know, when they have their athletes out and all those numbers really matter for them. So that's, you know, that'd be something interesting. I think, um, Ashley to do like an episode, you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit more with, um, maybe like, uh, Kirch again, you know, um, about like some of those costs and stuff. Cause I would think you would have that like inside scoop. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would think that Aaron Rodgers alone, yeah. the cost of losing yeah. him, you know, <laughs> for the Jets perspective. I mean, I, I think it broke down how much his contract was per minute for the like little bit of time that he played before he injured and was out for the season. So I definitely yeah. think it would be cost saving from the perspective of the team. Absolutely. For sure. It's funny how many, like, if you talk to athletic trainers and things at school, and I have to have this conversation before, they, they there isn't that much, like, awareness uh, amongst them, I think, about the injuries on turf. Um, so, I, I, you know, even, it always surprises me how much of our data doesn't kind of get infiltrated out into um, kind of the public and into some of the other, um, you know, healthcare professionals that we work with. So, you know, I think increasing awareness amongst the teams that we work with can be helpful for this as well. Um, but like, I even see that with like ACL injury prevention programs and things like that, but just a lot of the kind of like local athletic trainers and high schools and things just may not have the same information, uh, that we have. Yeah. Agree. Absolutely. So this study went on to compare slit film turf and not slit film turf, which is also called monofilament or monoturf. So for our listeners that maybe like me had no idea that there were these kind of different types of turf and what they mean, um, slit film turf has thicker blades that are woven together compared to the single blades that are seen in mono turf, hence the term mono. So if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see a really nice graphic showing the difference between these two types of turf. And because of its structure, slit film holds up to high use activity better than mono turf, which is great from a durability perspective, like we talked about durability and cost. However, there's concern that because of the woven pattern, cleats can get actually caught between the blades of slit film, which can decrease foot release and increase risk of injury. And honestly, that's exactly what this study found. They found that slit film turf predisposed players to a higher rate of ankle, hamstring, ACL injuries compared to non-slit film turf. So Megan, did this finding surprise you? Were you aware of these different kinds of turf options? And kind of where do we go from here with that information? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a turf expert by any means, but I've certainly seen different turf surfaces. Um, thank you for that explanation, Ashley. That was, that was, that was great. I was trying to look up what the difference was before, but that was a much better explanation than what I found. Um, you know, I'm not surprised, you know, based on what you're describing that there's differences that the, the slit film turf can have higher injuries than the non-slit. Um, however, this just goes to show how much, you know, the surface does, it does play a role. Um, and you know, this information is good for, you know, not only our NFL teams, but kind of the high schools and everything else, colleges that we cover to have for their fields. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I too did not know the difference. So <laughs> yeah, a lot of time spent on Google image and uh, a lot of, I would click and it would be a turf company. I always knew like when I, when I would like run track and stuff in high school and like they'd have the turf fields in the middle it was always the ones that had like the grainy like kind of like rubber like you know pieces inside there i don't don't know what kind of turf that is but that was kind of like what i was most used to seeing and i still see that a lot around but um you know that didn't seem to fit the slit or non-slit film so i'm not sure where that type of turf would fall in but that's kind of what i was familiar with yeah absolutely so i think super interesting and i think um 
you know, Megan, you made a good point about like, you know, these types of studies have to sort of get out to like the general public too. And I think now is the time where there is a lot more interest, um, but hopefully it'll sort of, um, you know, maybe help communities like fundraise or, you know, um, try and figure out ways in their budget that they can pay a little bit more attention to the surfaces that they have for especially like youth um, and, you know, and NCAA and the Division three schools, schools that maybe aren't, you know, don't have as much money for certain, um, certain fields and surfaces, but certainly could pay a little attention to this data. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sports Talks. We hope you enjoyed our discussion as much as we did. On the next episode, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Megan Bishop and review another poster from the AOS 2024 annual meeting. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube to stay up to date on all things sports medicine. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review or comment. We also love to hear your questions. You can reach us by email at thesportstalkspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at thesportstalkspod and Twitter at thesportsdocpod. We love your feedback.